The information contained on the Real Health Podcast and the resources mentioned are for educational purposes only. They are not intended as and shall not be understood or construed as medical or health advice. The information contained on this podcast is not a substitute for medical or health advice from a professional who is aware of the facts and circumstances of your individual situation. Information provided by hosts and guests on the Real Health Podcast or the use of any products or services mentioned does not create a practitioner-patient relationship between you and any persons affiliated with this podcast. This is the Real Health Podcast brought to you by Reardon Clinic. Our mission is to bring you the latest information and top experts in functional and integrative medicine to help you make informed decisions on your path to real health. Well, welcome everyone. It's Dr. Ron Hunting-Hockey and I'm hosting today an, another episode of the Real Health Podcast and we are delighted and I say we, uh, Dr. Lucas Timms is on with me today. And as our guest, we have Dr. Dan Rubin who was the founding president of Naturopathic Oncology. And we're gonna get to that. Dan, we're so glad to have you on this, pre- on this little talk show. Welcome. It's so awesome to be here. So I want to I want the audience to know a little bit about you before we get into the discussion of naturopathic oncology. You came to the Reardon Clinic way back when. What'd you say, 1998? What What was the occasion for you to be visiting uh, the Reardon Clinic, which was back then the Center for the Improvement of Human Functioning? Yeah, it was because I graduated. Naturopathic Medical School, August of 97. Mm. And um, I had the article from, uh, you know, Medical Hypotheses, intravenous ascorbate as a potential chemotherapeutic anti-cancer agent. And I'm like, I got to go see it. I got to go to who who wrote it. And so in 98, I mean, not even a year after graduation, I was able to get down there and I spent two weeks there. And that's in getting to meet you and Dr. Hugh and Neil, Dr. Neil Reardon. I mean, and just everybody. I just remember it so clearly. It was so impactful. And it still has impact today because I still think about my time at the Reardon Center or the Center for the Improvement of Human Functioning. It is fascinating how people, it's a kind of a milestone in a lot of, it was, certainly was a milestone in my life to come and be at the Reardon Clinic to see that there were greater possibilities in the realms of health. Of course, of course, you were a naturopathic physician at that point, and you had a vision there. But how did your uh, visit to Reardon Clinic change your point of view as to how naturopathic medicine could have a, a role to play in oncology? Yeah, I mean, that, that was already my interest, and it was learning how you could really look at biochemistry with a lot of the specialized testing and how you could really engage scientific principles along with creativity, which is really the foundation of how I, where I start from with protocols is, you know, creativity and philosophical approaches to somebody's care and then really blend them with, with the science. I mean, I remember Neil Reardon and I doing a test because we were, we were really curious about how much, you know, you know, calcium, you know, offset there was, or, or what osmolarities there were, if you were to put vitamin C in, you know, lactated ringer bag versus a sterile water bag. And at 
the time, I think of standard 15 gram IV vitamin C was always given at the Reardon Center and lactated ringers. And we were, you know, we, we had all these, we just gelled so well together right up front when I got there. And so it was really easy. Um, he just, we just walked into another building and tested the hypothesis and came to a conclusion. And I was like, that's real medicine. That was what was going on at the Center for the Improvement of Human Functioning. You had on-site testing, food. I mean, it was just, I'd never seen anything like it. And there still isn't anything like it that I know of. I mean, I think many have probably tried, but the original still stands. And it was impressive because it was all right there. And the staff seemed to be a syncytium. They were working as one on different projects, but it all came down into how do you get the best treatment and the best care for the patient? That's what I came away with. So Dr. Reardon encouraged curiosity. He had an open mind. He wanted people to see that there could be a better way and it was our job to help them find it. So I want to know, how did you find uh, Dr. Lucas Timms? Where did you two start out together? Because there's an interesting story there. We, I mean, we just, I think we met at the Yonke and P conferences and just through our mutual affection and love for nature naturopathic oncology and mutual friends. Yeah. Yeah. Dan won't remember this, but, uh, when, um, when I was in at school at Southwest college in naturopathic medicine, which was, you know, we both went to school there, but he was obviously before me, uh, he came and gave a lecture at, uh, uh for our oncology elective that we did. And, uh, I think it was my third year of school. And at that point I was still kind of undecided on, you know, which way I might want to go with my career and practice. Uh, and, that lecture that you gave there, uh, along with my then girlfriend, now wife being diagnosed with cancer, were like the two things that came together right about the same time that kind of set the seed for me in terms of wanting to work with cancer patients. Awesome. So uh, I have a, a lot, lot that I owe to you for taking me down this path. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy here because I've got two, uh, you know, two colleagues on this podcast right now that I've, uh, you know, really look up to and respect a lot in, in different ways, but, um, but yeah. And then Dr. Rubin, you're, you're, you know, part in forming the board of naturopathic oncology, which I know we want to talk about, um, that also paved the way massively for not only myself, but all the other fabnos that have come since. So maybe we should talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Better define Fabno for us because there'll be people listening in that won't know what that is. Yeah, you know, the journal well, Fabno is fellow of the American Board of Naturopathic Oncology. And the American Board of Naturopathic Oncology is sort of the certification arm of the Oncology Association of Naturopathic Physicians or ONC ANP, and which was founded in 2004. And its founding was motivated by a real desire to protect the public. And what I mean by that is, you know, at graduation, all naturopathic doctors take an oath to protect the public. And further was the use of non-conventional treatments was really on the rise in the late 90s and then the early 2000s, obviously establishing clinics and, you know, our practice. But there was no, two things. One, in the state of Arizona, where I live in and practice, it was actually... Uh, unprofessional and illegal to call yourself a specialist or refer to yourself as a specialist without some kind of oversight by the board. And so in order to gain oversight by the board and recognition rather by the board, you had to have some kind of certification. So when I wanted that, because I was only seeing people with cancer, I didn't do anything else at the time. And so 
I, how would people find me? And I right. wanted to let them know that this is what I do. And at that time, and you guys will know, oncology was moving so quickly. This is when small molecules were developing and anti-angiogenic agents and more biological agents versus just you know straight standard chemotherapy. And so there was a lot, a lot going on. And I'm like, I was, you know, keeping up with it and, you know, having trouble doing conventional naturopathic. So the general practice person, I couldn't keep up with it because it wasn't there. You know, you have to be interested in that stuff. Right. You have to have the time to do it. And that's part of motivation. That was the motivation for protecting the public is we wanted the, the naturopathic doctor to have some kind of expertise. And I also am a staunch and was back then and still am now advocate for specialization in naturopathic medicine. I think, um, my opinion, we owe it to our patients to be true experts. Um, some of the purists and nature pure people in our profession will disagree, probably continue to disagree with me, which I respect and understand, but it's just not how I practice and seemingly not how the modern day practitioner practices in naturopathic medicine. And that was the reason we founded the ONC-AMP. Well, I think the public too uh, has been moving in the direction of whole person care and there was a sense that the uh, oncologists were just focusing on the, the tumor cells. You know, we got to kill the tumor cells, but what about the rest of the human being and what can we do for them that will help, help improve the outcomes of conventional therapy? So the idea of integration, you know, because I, I remember for the longest time, everything that we did at Reardon Clinic was alternative. It sounds like it was either, either or, and I think one big step that you took was making it both and, and that both were important, not just one or the other. Thank you for recognizing that. And that was really, the, I had expertise in integrating meeting with oncologists, right? I said, you know, write them a letter, you know, write the doctor a letter, let him know what we're doing, be very open and transparent and scientific about it. And I still practice that way. It's so important. Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah. And I want to just jump in there too and say, you know, on the heels of the um, setting up the, the ABNO board and, and, and creating that as a specialization, uh, we've now seen a, uh, a trickle down effect where we've got a number of other specializations and board, board specialties that have come up in naturopathic medicine. That the naturopathic oncology was the first. Yeah. Um, and so I do think that you were a bit of a, uh, you know, you were, you were really a thought leader in terms of getting our profession moving that way. Uh, and I think that we're starting to see that come to fruition because you're right, especially oncology. I mean, it's not something you just dabble in, you know, I mean, you really need to know your stuff. Uh, and naturopathic oncologists really pride themselves in not only knowing about natural therapies and supportive adjunctive therapies, but also in, in having a very firm understanding of what's going on on the traditional side as well, correct? It's a hard job. Absolutely. Yeah. We had a student in here the other day in our clinic, which is where I am right now. And I was talking to him about that. I'm like, you got to know both, dude. I'm like, so you got to really think about what you want to do, because like you said, Dr. Timms, you got to, you really, you, you're obligated to know both. Yeah. How much, uh, just again, for our listening public, what, what are the, what are the standards to become, uh, you know, uh, certified as a FABNO practitioner? Yeah. So I'm not on the board anymore and they are published on the ANP or ABNO website, mm -hmm. but I still, 
I don't think that they've changed. I think you need to pass a board exam and you need to qualify to take that board exam by having a certain number of patient care hours um, that you of taking care of people with cancer. And then you either need to have done a naturopathic oncology residency or which would you know take care of the hours, or you need to be in private practice, I think at least five years in with I think a, a 90% of it being oncology. And then you need to either have published one or two articles regarding direct patient care in the peer-reviewed literature, or you have to write up a series of cases that are then reviewed by the examination board. Yeah, and there's there's multiple pathways because you know, obviously we'd love you know, naturopathic doctors to all have done a two or three year fellowship type residency in oncology. But, you know, those opportunities are, are still unfortunately few and far between. I was lucky enough to be able to do one of those through Cancer Treatment Centers of America. But um, having those alternate pathways where more seasoned NDs that are, you know, have been in the trenches for several years, seeing lots of oncology, they could also be able to sit for those boards as well. So I appreciate that you guys set it up that way. Totally. There's a lot more to this conversation, and it's coming up right after a quick break. Today's podcast is brought to you by Live On Labs, makers of liposomal vitamins and supplements. Live On uses a liposomal encapsulation technology to protect nutrients from destruction in the digestive system. This allows for more efficient delivery of essential vitamins and nutrients. Choose from various supplements that support health and well-being, such as lipospheric vitamin C, magnesium, glutathione, and more. To learn more, visit liveonlabs. That's L-I-V-O-N labs.com. So Dan, you know, when you see a patient, again, I'm thinking of our audience, when you see a patient, what are you going to focus on as a naturopathic oncologist? It's going to be a little bit different than just a regular oncologist. Yeah, that's a good question because it really depends on where they are are in the process or the journey or the adventure at the time. I mean, we know that, you know, the woman who has a biopsy of, you know, a, a, you know, stage zero carcinoma in situ of the breast, we're going to approach differently than obviously somebody with metastatic pancreatic cancer. And so I think it's, I usually like to, I want to know where it started. And what I mean by that is, and they say, well, what do you want to know? Like, like when I was diagnosed or like when my first scan was, I go, no, I want to know what day one was for you. And a lot of times they're like, oh, well, this dates back to when I was, you know, 32 years old. And I, and we all see that. Yeah. And I, I kind of take it from there. And then of course it depends on if they are on conventional treatment and how, you know, how, what's the importance or nowadays we're seeing a lot of people coming to us recently diagnosed, which is actually different than in the past, because usually people would come to us like, okay, now they're ready to try something yeah, different. Yeah, well, right. which but now people are saying like, hey, I want to know your opinion on what I should choose or which way, or you know, just get some input. Like they're valuing the naturopathic oncologist input along with the conventional input and you know, helping to pro and con things out. And so I always say like, you're, you're a doctor first, all of us. Anybody who treats patients with some kind of doctorate behind their name is a doctor first. Then you be, can become a specialist, right? And I say, as a naturopathic doctor, I'm a specialist in naturopathic medicine. As a medical doctor, Dr. Ron, you're a specialist in you know medicine, 
right? Then you can become a subspecialist, like then I'm a naturopathic oncologist. And so I, we all learn the human body. The human body isn't different no matter where you go to school. It's just how you approach it, what you create in terms of your treatment plan and how you philosophize about how you're going to get there. And that's how I derive my treatment. You know, I think Dr. Hugh would be excited with, with what you just said, because what occurred to me is that a naturopathic oncologist is a specialist in the whole person who has cancer, yeah, the totally. whole person. Mm -hmm. And there are so many, the other issue that comes in here is that there's a dazzling array of so-called alternative or natural or different ways to approach cancer that people get overwhelmed and they're looking for help in a way that doesn't interfere with the best of what modern oncology has to offer us. And so that's a tricky business. Especially with the internet. And the availability, you know, I, I used to lecture, this is back in the early 2000s. And I, you know, sometimes I said internet plus credit card equals a problem for a lot of people. You know, they're buying, no, I remember we had a naturopathic physician bring in a patient and they, the naturopathic doctor's family practice came to the, to the, uh, the specialty visit at my office with the patient and he was on a protocol, but the protocol that it was on, I just looked at him like this is prostate cancer protocol, but the person had pancreatic cancer. And so sure enough, we went on the website where they got it. It was listed under prostate, mm -hmm. you know, and, and so it's being able to distill down all of the things that Dr. Tim's, you know, that people bring to us, especially nowadays with all the info and all the social media and all the promotion of products and fads and diets and lifestyles and, uh, blah, you know, yeah. it, it's yep. our responsibility. So you can spend a whole consult on that. Mm -hmm. No doubt. No doubt. And that, um, I think that that's a key, um, I think that's a key way in which we can help patients, uh, also is, is not only by recommending things or telling them what may help them, but clearing out all the noise of what they should not be doing and not be focusing on. And I tell, I I say patients, I say to them all the time that, you know, especially when they come to me taking just a gazillion supplements or, trying you know, they taking the kitchen sink approach uh basically is that even though you know there's money spent to get set up to see me i'm going to save you money by taking you off the stuff that you don't need to need to be spending money on and so we see that time and time again but you know the uh the diy approach is 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 out there and a lot of people unfortunately do take that and and end up spending money and time and resources on things that are are not really meant for them or not taking it the right way or combining it with the right things. And so that that's a great point you made, Dan. Thank you. Where do you think, uh, where do you think this, uh, on, you know, uh, naturopathic oncology is going to go? Do you, th I mean, we see our practices growing because people are wanting the professional help that, that we can provide, but is this going to be a growing area? Do you think in in uh, in in the field of oncology? Or do you think oncologists are going to continue to accept naturopathic oncology? Yeah, they have to. They have to because have to. we're amazing and we we do something that nobody else can do. No other practitioners, naturopathic doctors are naturopathic doctors and nobody else is a naturopathic doctor. Nobody else practices naturopathic medicine. You have to go to school and, and be born into that. I'm not saying that there's not people who don't practice integrative or non-conventional medicine, but we're the experts in this. You know, we built this platform and, 
and we are doctor level practitioners. And so we, uh, you know, our philosophies are such that, like you said, we're specialists in the approach to the whole person with cancer. Um, And so I have seen um, probably starting late 2020 and gaining strength through 2021 and especially this year, some of the bigger institutions out here are no longer as favorable to integration. Um, in fact, one institution out here I used to go lecture at, get grand rounds at, be very close to, still have referring physicians from there. But the, the overall attitude is has reverted back to the 1990s mm. to where it's like, don't take an antioxidant, you know, don't eat soy. Um, you know, with, I mean, just like stuff that data has refuted, like right. clear data. Yeah. And, you know, we had, we had come through that and spent so much time coming through that for the betterment of the human experience for the person with cancer. And I've seen not the general, just not the sort of individual practitioners, but the, the bigger academic institutions. So I, I don't know what that's about. And so we have some work cut out for us again, but the public yeah. wants it and is yeah. calling for it. And it, the recognition is that what we've been doing all along, once again, like bioidentical hormones, right? Like probiotics, right? Now you see what's going on with the microbiome. It's like, we did it because it made sense. And now there's like science to back it up. And eh, I don't know, Dr. Ron, Dr. Tims, there's a real problem with science in some of this is the human being, you know, you can't, necessarily fully understand yourself because you don't know there's no conclusion in our and humanity hasn't concluded how humanity became so how can we be so cavalier that we could think that we could understand ourselves scientifically when we make we didn't even make up ourselves and we're you know so it's like we're trying to understand so you have to be creative you have to have a a an aspect of what the human body needs and it's not all it's not all manufactured medicines and so that's, couple, that's my perspective. Yeah. So I think it's, go ahead, sorry. A couple, couple of weeks ago, I interviewed Glenn Sabin, who wrote a book, The End of One. You probably are familiar with it. He's a, a gentleman who had uh, a cancer. It was a leukemia. And uh, he, over the course of 20 years, worked in close uh, association with a number of oncologists and was able to find a way to cure his, his leukemia. And, and, but what he said is it was an N of one, which means that each person that has cancer is a unique case. You can have 10 cases of lung <clears throat> cancer, but there's going to be 10 different differences in, in what's going on in that person's life. What were the contributing factors? What's their, their, uh, you know, genetic, epigenetic factors, things like that. And I think this is where naturopathic medicine really excels is teasing out what are the relevant individualizing forces that are sustaining that cancer and what can we do to turn those around and at the same time use the best of medical oncology to help these people. Absolutely. And I've said it publicly before that, in my opinion, the way that I practice as a whole, naturopathic oncology isn't really good at killing cancer cells. We need something toxic to kill something. Yeah, but we can 
disrupt things and we can disrupt the physiology and we can reduce the hospitality of the body, et cetera. And, you know, you know, make the, yeah. the, the soil infertile, et cetera. Maybe reduce side effects from some of the chemo if people are totally. intermittent fasting or doing various things that need some coaching. People don't just naturally know how to do these things. Yeah. So uh, so many therapies that, you know, that we utilize that um, I feel like are, are misunderstood um, in terms of what we're trying to achieve with those. And I think what you just said, Dr. Rubin is, is kind of really, that was, that was illuminating that, you know, we're, a lot of our therapies are not aimed at killing things. They're not cytotoxics. IV vitamin C may be one of those exceptions, um, on a certain level, but oftentimes it's more about creating health than, than killing stuff. I, I love, I love what you just said. Thank you. I think it's important for us to say that out loud. And to be brave enough to say that to patients about this is what I, we, you know, because they think a lot of people come in here and they think that we could just take that treatment and just, you know, use that instead. And I'm like, well, then why would you go through the complications of being here? If I was going to give you, you know, you have to get, use something toxic, you know, right. to kill, so to speak. I mean, obviously it's different for different, but as you get experienced, you start to recognize the limitations. Yeah. So anyhow. Well, people are looking for still the trust, the relationship of a trusted physician who's willing to meet them on their terms. And so many of the patients that I've worked with, they felt like they haven't been listened to. And I, and if nothing else, I tell people, hey, I'm gonna listen to you harder than any doctor's ever listened to you, looking for what it is that makes your, your case unique. And, and together, we're gonna find ways to help you win in this, in this, uh, and, and interestingly enough, what I always end up telling my cancer patients is that if you do all this right, you're going to be healthier than you've ever been. Because a lot of the things that we do are purely for the sake of having optimal health. And that's the best way to beat cancer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, listening. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to completely agree with you. And I'm going to plug my website because our URL is listenandcare.com. Ah, yeah. Meaning, so I, I agree. I mean, you, how could you, I mean, I don't understand you can not listen. And so I think part of the problem is, is that, you know, you have a certain cancer at a certain stage with a certain presentation, there's a certain treatment and that's what's approved. Yes. And you take that. So people come here because they want to discuss or go to the Reardon Center. They want to discuss and they want to understand and create creation is just creativity I, without i'm annihilated without my creativity and philosophy i have to say so yeah. well yeah. we are so excited that this has taken off uh because i think there are so many people out there that are looking for the kind of care that naturopathic oncologists can provide and so i know as a family physician, I, I can't do what you two guys can do. And so we now have two naturopathic oncologists at the Reardon Clinic, Dr. West and Dr. Timms. And Dr. Timms has just, he changed, he was a, a, a huge, wonderful tidal wave of, uh, yeah. of, of change for us in the right direction. And so we now are finding that we can achieve much quicker effects with people using uh, the expertise of naturopathic oncology. So thank, thank you both of you for uh, being willing to uh, create this wonderful discipline. Thank you.
And and I want just want to say thanks to Dr. Ruben for being a, a real trailblazer and kind of setting in motion this whole path that I've been able to follow and many more behind me as well. So thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. Yeah, Dr. Reardon used to say, you know, create a trail and and uh, have have other people follow you. He was uh, it's okay to be a follower, but it's it's wonderful to have great leadership. So thank you, Dan. I appreciate that, and so great Welcome. to see you again. Likewise, thank you. All right, I think what that'll about do it for this episode. And thank you, everyone, for listening in to Real Health Podcast at Reardon Clinic. Thank you for listening to the Real Health Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. You can also find all of the episodes and show notes over at realhealthpodcast.org. Also, be sure to visit reardonclinic.org, where you will find hundreds of videos and articles to help you create your own version of real health.